Welcome to this episode of the Mind of the Escapist podcast. This is a podcast centered around film, video games, television, anime, and more. I'm your host, Terrell. Today, I want to talk about two things. We're going to be reflecting on last year and looking forward to this year um, in the sense that I'm going to be talking about my favorite films of last year and my most anticipated films of this year, 2023. I'm going to mix and match it. And how am I actually going to do it is I haven't ranked them. So I'm just going to read these off in random order. So um, there is no order to the list. So there's no number one most anticipated um, and there's no number one film of the year. These are just 10 selections in each category uh, that for me were my favorites of last year and the ones I'm looking forward to the most this year. So I'm going to start off with one of my favorites from last year, and that is The Batman. Now, I am a big Batman fan. Batman is my favorite superhero, and that's always been the case since I was a kid. And this film really intrigued me prior to release because Matt Reeves is a filmmaker that I do admire a lot. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes are two films that I love greatly. And what he brought to those films as a filmmaker, I thought could translate to the character of Batman really well because what those Planet of the Apes films were for me were a very deep character-focused study on one central character. And I felt like that's something that could attribute the character of Batman really well. And then, of course, we got the casting of Robert Pattinson, which I thought was very inspired casting. And then we saw the Batmobile, which was a muscle car, which looked crazy to me. And everything that I saw pre-release was just giving me more reasons to be excited for this Batman film as a longtime fan. And then when the film came out, uh, I went to watch it at midnight, actually, um, which is a rare thing nowadays because I used to go watch films at midnight whenever they were, uh, whenever it was the case, you know, like back before COVID, whenever any big release came out, they usually put a midnight showing up, especially the superhero films, and I'd always be there. But then after COVID, they kind of stopped doing it, um, which is a shame because I always like being with that kind of crowd at a midnight release. It's a different type of energy. Um, but for this Batman one, it, they did show a midnight show and I did go up at midnight and I was high off inedible and I watched it and I felt like I was in Gotham for three hours and I loved the movie. Um, I, I loved pretty much everything about it. I can't remember if there was anything negative that I really had to say about it. I, I was really immersed. I found it very immersive. It was very gothic and the way it was executed was different to the Batman films that came before it and it really did feel as close and as accurate to the comics and the detective aspects of the Batman character compared to any of the Batman films that came before. And I really appreciate that about it. The Long Halloween is one of the most iconic Batman stories, one of my favorite Batman stories. And this film felt like it was an adaptation of that in its own way. And I really liked all the different elements that they had, the way it was shot, the visual style, the performances. I think Robert Pattinson is by far and away the best Batman that there's been thus far. And I'm really excited to see where they take this series, this kind of iteration of Batman on the screen moving forward. Because I think the Gotham that they've recreated here feels fantastic and very real and very grounded. And the same goes for this Batman and his emotional journey. And I think, in my opinion, Batman, other than Spider-Man, Batman has the best rogues gallery. In fact, even over Spider-Man, I'd say that Batman has the best rogues gallery in the whole of superheroes. So... For me, this type of Gotham seems like it could inhabit so many of those iconic villains that Batman has. And I'm intrigued to see which ones they kind of pick and choose for the sequels moving forward. I think there's a lot they could do with this new Batman that they've created. So I thoroughly enjoyed that Batman film. And as the year went on, I feel like the majority of films that I watched, I was instantly kind of when trying to gauge whether how much I liked them. 
I was using Batman as as the bar for a lot of those films. Where I was like, did I enjoy it as much as I like Batman? And for the fact that I was doing that tells me that it was automatically one of my favorite films of the year. So yeah, one of my favorite films of last year, The Batman. One of my most anticipated films of this year. And to be fair, I know I said I wasn't going to rank them, but this is arguably potentially number one. Dune Part 2. That first Dune film, directed by Denis Villeneuve, starring Timothy Chalamet, Josh Brolin, Zendaya, everyone else. That film, I think, if I remember correctly, was my favourite film of 2021. That cinema experience was a phenomenal cinema experience. Um, I saw a pre-release screening of it, and that was just at a standard cinema. And then I went to watch it in IMAX after it came out, and the IMAX experience blew me away. So it's one of those rare films that gave me that type of audio-visual spectacular experience that combined the two in just such a spectacular way. And I did have a few gripes with the story and how quick they seemingly rushed through certain elements of, because I've read the book, and certain elements of the story that I thought were quite important, they kind of rushed through in that first film. But on subsequent viewings, I kind of eased up my opinion on that side of it and kind of settled with it. But despite those kind of nitpicks, the experience as a whole on a visual and audio scale with those performances I thought was fantastic. And I was immediately excited. Well, well I, was, I was excited at the prospect of a sequel because at that time a sequel wasn't guaranteed nor was it announced. And then I was happy to hear like a few weeks after release that they then announced that the film had made enough money. It was more it was successful enough for them to then go ahead and make the sequel, which uh, they recently wrapped shooting on. I think over the past couple months they finished shooting that. And I'm very excited to see this story continue because I think it's just very grand and very epic. I love what Tim Timothy Chalamet is doing in the role. And they've made some great additions to the cast for the sequel. So they've got Florence Pugh, uh, Austin Butler, and I believe Christopher Walken and more actors added to the cast for this sequel. So, um, yeah, and I think it's coming out in October. But, yeah, that is without a doubt one of my most anticipated films for this year. Dune Part 2. Bouncing back to favorites from last year. Avatar The Way of Water, my uh, first episode. If you haven't seen my first episode of the show, you can go back and listen to it after this. It's my review of Avatar The Way of Water. Um, I still plan on doing a spoiler review for that to talk about it in more detail. So I won't talk about it too much here because I have gotten a podcast episode talking about it in depth anyway. But that film blew me away visually um, and it captivated me emotionally. And I was riveted by it. And I've seen it three times now and I might go back and see it a fourth time. But I thoroughly... In fact, I just love that film, and I actually think it's better than the first one. And I loved the first one when it came out, but I do think Avatar The Way of Water is better. And uh, yeah, to find out why it's one of my favorite films of last year, go listen to the other episode. Um, so I'm going to move back on now to anticipated films again. The next one is Evil Dead Rise. Now, I'm a big horror fan. That is no secret to anyone that knows me. Now, Evil Dead... Now, I don't want to talk too much about Evil Dead as a whole, because once again, I plan to do episodes of this show talking about each individual Evil Dead film in the lead up to Evil Dead Rise's release. But for a long time in my younger years, Evil Dead was my favourite horror film. The Evil Dead, sorry, so the original one, was my favourite horror film of all time during my younger years. So when I was first discovering horror, let's say around 8, 9, 10, 12, 13 years old, The Evil Dead was my favourite film at that time. And 10 years ago now, which... I would have been 18, it was when they did the remake of that, which I thoroughly enjoyed again. And now, 10 years forward, we're now getting the next Evil Dead film, which is not a reboot, I believe it's set in the same canon as the original films. But now, 
it's moved to a suburban location. Now, this was automatically, just off of the announcement of it, going to be one of my most anticipated films of the year. And then they dropped the trailer, like, last week or the week before, and the poster. And all it's done is given me more confidence in the fact that this will be a film that I'm going to love. Because, in my opinion, the Evil Dead franchise is one of the strongest cases someone could put forward for the most consistent horror franchise. Because each individual film in that franchise is distinct in its own unique ways, and they've done different things with each one, but they all reach the the same standard of quality. There's not a single bad one. There's not even really an average one in the whole franchise. They're all good, if not great, if not classics. So it's a very consistent franchise, and this new one here looks like it's not going to ruin that streak. Um, what I like about the trip from the trailer and the tease that they give, they've said, now Bruce Campbell did say that this is going to be the scariest one. He's seen it and it's the scariest one. And it does look very intense. Now the remake, what I loved about the remake is how intense and brutal and gory it was. And it was like another level that they reached with that one compared to the original. This one looks like it's in a similar vein to that remake. But then they've got a suburban location in like this cityscape which is a completely different setting for this franchise which will make it feel very fresh and it looks brutal in in similar ways to the 2013 one but it also looks like it's going hardcore with the deadites and the possession side of things which i really like and there's an audience out there for that because mainstream horror they like or they did anyway not sure if it's the same same way as it is right now as it was maybe 10 years ago but they really like their possession movies there was a time going back 10 years ago and that's all we really got was like possession movie after possession movie if that crowd kind of get in tune with this film and go and watch it i think they're going to be in for a huge shock because this is going to be extreme <laughs> it's going to be a possession movie to the extreme because this franchise always has been that but this film looks like it is uh there's some some moments and some hints at some kill sequences or just moments of violence in that trailer that look just very extreme in a way that only evil dead could pull off but I'm very excited to see it. And then the poster. If you haven't seen the poster, go on Google and Google the poster for Evil Dead Rise. It's one of the creepiest film posters I've seen in a while. And I'm surprised that they have, they've actually got away with making that. <laughs> the poster. The main poster. Because I can't see it going up in public. Because it's that creepy. Because I think you couldn't have that up on a public street. Because if a child sees it, it's going to terrify them. And I genuinely think it might scare some adults as well. And that's kind of the point. But at the same time, I don't know if, you know, who regulates those type of things going up. But I don't think they would let that pass so it can go out into public. But I kind of hope it does just so it can terrify some children. But it's a really cool poster. And what I believe happened, the film that came out last year called Smile, which was a big hit, had a main poster of just a character with a creepy smile. This Evil Dead poster has a mother with a very creepy smile. I think they saw the poster for Smile, and of course were aware of how successful that film was, and thought, let's do that. I thought their I think their marketing team kind of took the tactic from the Smile film and said, let's do that, put the creepy smiling person on the poster. But they just made it look 10 times creepier, in my opinion. But anyway, Evil Dead Rise, most one of my most anticipated films of this year, and I will, I think the, fil the film's coming out in April, which is literally 10 years to the month from the last film coming out. And I had a very memorable cinema experience with that last film when I was 18 years old um, but I will do reviews of each individual Evil Dead film in April leading up to this release because I do love that franchise back to films of last year this is like a unanimous one a unanimous pick I think any person that's seen this film last year 
will have it in their selection of films that they loved last year or favorite films from last year and that's top gun maverick i've never seen the original top gun that's my confession never seen it and i went into this one not skeptical because i like tom cruise and i especially like tom cruise since his kind of rebrand that he did in the early 2010s with uh, mission impossible where he, he kind of came out as more of a heavy stunt guy that was very committed to to doing the real stunts real dangerous stunts capturing it on camera for the theater experience and i've liked him a lot since then he still had some misfires in amongst that the mum the mummy film was trash but you when you go and watch a tom cruise film you kind of know it's almost like a there's certain filmmakers and actors you know what you're gonna get with them to a degree but you know that it's going to be worth your money for it for the most part so i say christopher nolan you know you watch a christopher nolan film or Denis Villeneuve film, you're going to get a degree of spectacle on a filmmaking level that is going to be worth the price of admission to watch in a cinema. I consider Tom Cruise in that kind of bracket where if I pay money to watch a Tom Cruise action film nowadays, I know I'm getting a very committed performance from him that's going to have some sort of crazy stunt that's going to be worth my money to watch on the big screen and it's going to be a part of that experience and enhance that experience. And Mission Impossible Fallout was an incredible film. Surprisingly, I only ever saw it once. I watched it in IMAX, and I've got it on Blu-ray. I bought it on Blu-ray when it came out, on uh, Blu-ray initially came out. But I've only ever watched it once, but I did love that movie. And I have enjoyed all the Mission Impossible films since the fourth one onwards. Um, but I thought Fallout was a real standout film, because I remember thinking at the time that that's given James Bond a, a strong run for his money, like... And that was at the time where, what, Skyfall had came out. Spectre came out in the same year, I believe. No, it didn't, actually. Spectre came out a few years before. So, yeah, Spectre came out a few years before. But I remember thinking, because I was disappointed with Spectre, I didn't really care for it, that this is Mission Impossible Fallout was the moment where Mission Impossible kind of leapfrogged James, James Bond in that type of film. And, of course, he's doing his crazy uh, Daredevil, Evil Knievel-style jump off a cliff um, off a motorbike. And uh, then, like, base jumping with a parachute stunt for this film, which is going to be crazy. I saw, what film did I watch? Before watching Avatar, they did a preview, an IMAX preview of that stunt, showing the behind the scenes of it, and it was breathtaking. And I realized I've kind of gone on a bit of a tangent about Mission Impossible here when I'm supposed to be talking about Top Gun. But I might as well combine the two, because Mission Impossible is one of my most anticipated films of this year. So we had Top Gun last year, which I thought was fantastic. Mission Impossible this year from Tom Cruise. That's one of my most anticipated films as well. But just jumping back to, to, to Top Gun, the stunt work in that film I thought was tremendous. And the way it created such exhilarating scenes that felt very immersive. I did have an edible when I watched this one as well, and it was great. But um, <laughs> it felt very immersive, and I was riveted. And for someone from my perspective of not seeing the previous film, I thought the story was still very gripping and engaging, despite the fact that I didn't have that connection to the first film didn't have the nostalgic connection nor did i have the familiarity with the characters and what had previously happened other than what this film told me but it still managed to draw me in grip me i was engaged with all the characters and then the stunt work and the jet sequences and the action sequences in this film were just exceptional um and yeah that's why top gun's one of my favorite films of last year and then as i've already kind of spoken about mission impossible is one of my anticipated ones for this year um, for all the reasons I've stated before about Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible films themselves, the spectacle of it, the stunts, the action, 
um, and I do think it's kind of surpassed James Bond in that in that respect. So I've kind of hit two birds with one, with one stone uh, whilst talking about Top Gun and Mission Impossible at the same time. So if I go back to another film that I enjoyed thoroughly from last year, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This film had quite a profound effect on me, if I'm being completely honest. Um, the time it came out, so it came out in May in the UK, and around that time last year, I was going through a lot. Um, I was going through a lot mentally. I wasn't in my... Um, I wasn't having a uh, a good time mentally. Let's just put it at that. And I was at that type of stage of the depression where you're not really doing anything. You know, when you're kind of like in limbo, you're kind of just existing. And all the things that you enjoy doing, you can't seem to do because you're just not in that frame of mind. I was in that type of phase. And I knew I wanted to see the film, but I knew it would take a lot of effort for me to get up and go and see the film being in that mind state. And... I eventually did do it and it was the first time I'd been in the cinema for a long time at that point um, because I just wasn't going because I just wasn't in the right frame of mind and this film's about a lot of things but one of the broader things that this film tackles is life itself and your your purpose our purpose within life or finding purpose within life and finding meaning within life and the message that message in that film and how it was handled and presented it really did kind of affect me um, when I was watching it, especially being in the headspace that I was in. And I don't want to say it was life-changing, because it wasn't life-changing. Um, that's a bit dramatic. But it it definitely did kind of plant a seed in my head of, to some degree. Because how I am right now, right now I'm kind of feeling better than I've ever been, happier than I've ever been. And there are quite a few entertainment properties that I consumed last year that I would definitely attribute some of that too in the sense that they kind of eased me out of that phase of depression and and made me have a certain outlook on things in different ways there's a few different things that helps me do that in the in the realm of entertainment and maybe i'll do an episode talking about that in detail because i think there is power in entertainment and how that can influence you and inspire you and and really help you at times where you're struggling um but this was one of those things and i was very surprised by the film in, in many ways but um the visual effects I thought were were great. How they handled that on the, on a smaller budget, the visual effects, and they're just the story as a whole. Because I didn't really know what the, all I heard about the film before it came out was multiverse, and this was just a few weeks after Doctor Stranger came out. And I remember people in America saying that the multiverse stuff in this film is better than the multiverse of madness. And I was thinking, hmm, I'm just intrigued at how they're going to do that, and they did it in a very very creative way with a smaller budget and the cast were great it was a very entertaining film it was a very funny film and then it had that kind of profound message as well with it so i thought as a whole it just hit so many boxes um for a cinema experience whilst still feeling quite fresh and new as a film um so that's a film i highly recommend watching if you haven't seen it um, but it has been very popular so I, I guess a lot of people listening may have seen it but yeah everything everywhere all at once one of my favorite films from last year jumping back forward now to films that i'm anticipating for this year a trailer did just release within the past few days for this film and that is viewers afraid and prior to watching the trailer this still would have been on this list simply for the fact that it's directed by ari aster now if you don't know ari aster is responsible for directing hereditary which came out in 2018 and midsummer which came out in 2019 two films two horror films that i think are modern classics um, two films that I love for different reasons. 
two films that I think are so in depth um, and are so um, sophisticated with the way they handle horror and the way they handle and explore human emotions that I think that's what sets those films above a lot of the rest that come out these days. Um, and I do ho- I do hold those two films in very high regard. And yeah, they are some of my just favorite films in general that have come out in the last five years. Um, Midsummer is one that I don't tend to rewatch films that much um, outside of the cinema. Say if I like a film that's come out of the cinema, I might watch it like two, three times at the cinema for that experience. And then once it comes out, um, in a home release I don't tend to watch them that often but Midsummer is one film I've gone back to multiple times and I think I have seen that probably five times since it released which is a lot for me um, and then Hereditary I haven't gone back to a, a huge amount but that film had such a big impact on me when it came out and I, I probably will do a, a, a review on Hereditary just to talk about it in more detail because there's a whole long story I could give about my cinema experience for Hereditary but it's one of my most memorable cinema experiences I've ever had that had a very big effect on me that is why I almost bow to Ari Aster as a master of cinema <laughs> as a master of horror um, of, of the new modern horror filmmakers that are coming out um, but yeah so I know that Bio is Afraid isn't a horror film per se not a straight up horror film anyway it's, it looks more like a surrealist type of film but either way, I'm just intrigued to see it. I didn't, I didn't need to know. I've forgotten most of what happens in the trailer anyway. Um, but I watched the trailer just out of curiosity because I was already excited for it. Um, but yeah, regardless of what it's about and what happens in it, the fact that R.E.S. Aster is making a new film and this is it and it's got Joaquin Phoenix in it, I'm sold. So automatically on the list for most anticipated. One of my favorite horror films from last year was Barbarian. This film kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I believe it was premiered at one of the film festivals towards the end of the year. And it suddenly caught a lot of traction and a lot of buzz. And I remember just hearing the name Barbarian and people saying, you need to see this film, but don't, you know, go in knowing as little as possible. Which for me, and when it comes to horror films, that's what I like to do anyway. I don't really watch a lot of trailers anymore, especially for horror, because I like to just go in blind. I think the cinema experience and a film viewing experience in general is so much more exciting and exhilarating when you just know nothing about what you're watching and you just watch it with fresh eyes free from expectation i think it's just much better that way um but that's especially how i like to watch my horror films unless it's something like evil dead where you know i know i'm gonna watch it but i'm just curious just to see how it looks if it's something like that then i can sometimes you know sometimes i can't hold back and I, i'll watch a trailer but in a general sense i like to kind of not watch trailers and avoid them and I did that for Barbarian. Didn't know anything about it. I didn't even read the synopsis because that's another thing I like to do with horror films. I don't even like to know what it's about. So I just went in completely blind, not knowing what that film was whatsoever. And that was one of the most memorable cinema experiences I had last year. I saw it twice, actually. I saw it in Bristol um, on release day. when it Yeah, when it came out, I watched it on release day in Bristol. And then a few days later, whilst, when I was in London around Halloween, I watched it again in Leicester Square. And both times, the audience uh, reaction and just watching it with an audience was just such a fun experience because of how people were reacting to it. Um, But I thought it was a very suspenseful film. It had these really great tense moments within it that um, were kind of filled with dread, that were genuinely scary moments, actually, that I didn't expect. But I thought the story of it was really well done. Um, 
it starts off with a woman um, going to an Airbnb. And when she gets there, there's a guy that's already staying in the Airbnb. And there's this confusion over who's supposed to actually be renting out this place. And they end up both staying there. And then creepy horror stuff happens. That's all I'll say. Um, but the way that the film builds to that was really good. Because the first act of the film is probably about a good half an hour. Maybe even 40 minutes long. And that could be a short film in itself. Like just that whole first act. Because there's so much so, so much great suspense and build up and character work going on in that 40 minutes. And then once it progresses beyond that. There's a big reveal at the end of the 40 minutes that completely stunned me. And for every, anyone that watches the film, if you know nothing about it as you're watching it, it will stun you and shock you. And then the film completely switches in the second act to something completely different in a really purposeful but jarring switch. That then makes you think, what is going on? What am I watching? And I don't actually know what's going on. So now I'm putting this, you're almost thrusted into the unknown. Where you don't really know what you're watching anymore and what it's about and where it's going. And that in itself can kind of generate an element of fear. But there was a whole comedic angle that they introduced into the second act, which I thought worked really well. And then it eventually connects with what was going on in the first act. Um, but I thought the way that the whole film was, you know, structured was really inventive. And it really helped create a really unique experience in the cinema. Um, and a horror film that I definitely will remember. Barbarian is actually now on Disney Plus in the stars section. So if you've never seen it, I highly recommend watching it, going in blind, don't read the synopsis, don't watch a trailer, just watch it. But that is definitely one of my favourite films from last year. Creed 3 is a film I've been waiting for for a very long time. It's been five years since the second film. And the first Creed film and the second Creed film, both of those films are my favourite sports films ever made. Um, they really connect with me. Um, I don't know if it's because it's because of Michael B. Jordan in that lead role. I really like him. Michael B. Jordan's one of my favorite actors, and I like him in that lead role. Um, but I also like the story and the and the depth to the story and the emotion that's packed in the story of Adonis Creed in those two films and the progression of it. You could watch that first film and then watch the second film and see the growth of the character throughout that arc across those two films. And I really like the stuff that's done there. But what intrigues me about this third film is. Michael B. Jordan is actually directing it for a start, so this is his first uh, directorial effort, which I'm really intrigued to see how he will now direct this film, because it's not it's not like he's directing a film fresh. He's coming onto a franchise that he's already made two films within, as the lead character, as the main actor. How will he now direct himself in 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 that film? And what choices will he make as a director and an actor? And what effect will that have on the film and the story as a whole? I'm really intrigued to see how all that plays out. But then also you've got Jonathan Majors on the opposite end of the ring fighting him. Which I think is just that matchup of Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors I think is just gold. And I can't wait to see how that all plays out. Jonathan Majors is like a thespian. He's like, he's a real great actor. If you see him in things, I mean, you know, I've not, I've not even seen his performance in Marvel yet. I didn't watch the, the Loki show. So I've not even seen, I've seen like brief clips of what he did in that show, but I haven't seen the whole thing. Um, so excluding what he's done in Marvel, which I haven't even seen, and that's what a lot of people will probably recognize him from. All the other stuff I've seen him in, like the, the Five Bloods and, and things like that, he's been exceptional. And he's a great actor and a very promising one, who I think will have a very long career and successful one. But yeah, to have those two actors matched up in Creed 3 um, and have that being the climax to a trilogy 
of what is my favorite sports films yeah how could i not be excited for that so and i might go watch that one in imax but yeah creed 3 definitely one of my most anticipated films uh, another film another horror film that i loved from last year this came out earlier on in the year it's called x and it's a film that is centered around a group of people that are filming an adult film and they go to this remote location in i believe it's in texas i, I believe it actually is in texas in the film and there's an old couple that are there that are like renting this place for them to stay and bad horror shit starts happening so i'm gonna say it's another film that i'd say just go in blind and watch it but what i really liked about this film is that it was very funny for a start it had a comedic tone to it which i thought worked really well um but the style of it i thought was just great it's directed by t west and it reminded me so much of the texas chainsaw massacre which is one of my favorite horror films it had that whole aesthetic i think it's undeniably influenced by the texas chainsaw massacre i don't think there's anything that anyone working on the film would deny but i thought the whole 70s aesthetic of it the violence when it eventually does happen as well as the comedy and then the performances as a whole i thought it all combined to be a very effective film that felt like it was straight out of the 70s in the best way possible um, and it had a number of influences it there were some influences in there that reminded me of uh friday the 13th as well um so it felt like a great throwback film um that was done in the image of films that had came before classics that had came before but didn't feel like it was copying them it just felt merely like a homage while still doing something different in its own way so i did appreciate that a lot and they did release a prequel to it called pearl that came out in america last year and the cool thing about that is they had actually shot that prequel film straight after shooting x so it was a thing where the, the new film came out x and then they had the prequel ready to go straight away so just a few months later in america they released the prequel annoyingly it's not been distributed in the uk at all and i think it's actually coming out this year in the uk and in fact it's not a film i've put on my list for anticipated films and i think i didn't put it on my list simply because in my eyes it's a film from last year that's just been lost and hasn't come out in the uk yet because it's out digitally in america now i could watch it online if i wanted to to be honest um so that's why i've not put it on my list but let's if it didn't come out in america last year and it, it came out like in august or something like that so it's been out for a long time in america if it didn't come out last year in america it would have been on my list for this year for anticipated but that is coming out in a couple months pearl and i'm excited to see that as well and they've got another film that's set in the 80s coming out soon centered around the same character so it's going to be a whole trilogy um but i think this one is on prime video so if you haven't seen this one and you want to check it out it's on prime video at the moment that's x one of my favorite films from last year this is a big one that's coming out this year um especially if you're in a specific type of viewer that likes a specific type of action movie and if you like keanu reeves then this is a year that we get john wick and that's john wick chapter four now it's been four years since john wick three and what i like about these films especially the cinema experience of watching these films because i only i saw john wick one and two at home and then i saw john wick three at the cinema and it's one of those action film experiences where it, you watch it with a crowd and there's audible reactions to what's going on in the cinema um and i really like that part of the experience of watching this type of film in a cinema because what i love about john wick is keanu reeves just on demon time 
with the action, the martial arts, the gunplay, the combination of the two, which I think has been given the term gung fu. Um, uh, yeah, I think is what he's done with these films and how he's just kind of birthed this action, iconic action character in the past decade with John Wick, I think is really great. And they've got Don Yen in this film, who's a fantastic martial artist. And, oh, I've forgotten his name. His name is passed me by. Oh, that's going to bother me. But it's the actor that was in The Last Samurai. And he recently played Scorpion in the Mortal Kombat films. And he's a great actor as well. He's also in the film. And those actors in the cast just really excite me. Because that's another thing I like about these type of films as well. You've got Keanu Reeves. He's the selling point. The action is the selling point as well with what he can do. But then with each installment, they add different action stars or different you know, prolific martial artists to the cast to go up against him. And that's what makes it exciting. And yeah, the trailer did drop out, did, did, did come out. And, you know, I think there's a moment where he's got like nunchucks fighting against a guy with a gun with nunchucks and stuff. And it's like, you know what? I believe it. It's John Wick. John Wick can do anything. There's that scene in John Wick Chapter 3 where he has that massive fight in that. Um, oh, I don't want to say it was a museum wherever it was but then they start fighting with the knives and he's throwing the knives and all that that fight sequence is crazy like and that's what i like about those films it's just those crazy set pieces of action that he creates within this franchise and then you got him on horseback against motorbikes and stuff and yeah john wick without a doubt one of my most anticipated another favorite of mine from last year is another horror film this one's called bodies 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 this was one that i didn't know a whole lot about well there's a trend here me not knowing a whole lot about a film before I go to watch it. And that is because I just prefer, like I said, to avoid synopsises and trailers. But yeah, I didn't know anything about this one either. I just knew the name. I knew people were talking about this film called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So when it came out, I just went to go watch it. And I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. You know, not you know, I didn't really have any expectations going in. But I was thoroughly surprised by what I was watching. That's what I mean by that. Um, because this is a film about a group of girls and a couple guys that are basically staying in this kind of really big house um because there's a hurricane coming and they're all going to be you know stormed in and they start playing this game and the game turns sour and someone ends up actually dead and then it kind of becomes almost a whodunit mystery because someone in the house is responsible for this dead body but no one knows who it is and then it's the kind of paranoia of trying to work out in that situation whilst being trapped in the house with the killer who actually did the killing and I thought for that type of premise, because I love whodunit type films anyway. I'm a big fan of giallo films, which are Italian horror films, Italian kind of murder mystery films. Huge fan of those. It's one of my favorite subgenres of horror. Um, and this was kind of that, but just in its own Americanized way um, and in a more mainstream way. But for a mainstream, and I say mainstream in the sense that it was... It has mainstream appeal because it wasn't a mainstream film in terms of budget or anything like that. I think it was kind of like a indie type film, but it had mainstream appeal. And for a lot of horror films that do have that mainstream appeal, they usually kind of uh, they're usually not that great. I mean, we're getting better at making horror films that are more broad and for a mainstream audience that aren't you know just straight up trash. Because I remember once again, like ten years ago, those type of films that came out were just possession films and they were never that good. Um, so they're getting better at making them, but yeah, this was a film that definitely had that mainstream appeal. Definitely would appeal to the younger generation based on how the characters were written and how you know their ages in the film. 
but I thought the way that the setup was done and the mystery itself and then how they uh, explored that mystery throughout the film and developed things with the characters along with the dialogue of it, I thought it was very quite entertaining. And I love the score. And the score is quite a really great electronic score. And interestingly enough, when I was listening to it, I was like, this score reminds me of It Follows, which is one of my favourite horror films. And then when I finished watching the film and went to check the score on Spotify, turns out the score was actually comp composed by Disasterpiece, which is the same composer that composed the score for It Follows. Um, but what I liked about it is this one, it felt like the It Follows score, but it had like more hip-hop electronic per percussion within it. So although it felt similar to It Follows, it felt different in its own unique way. And it's, it's a score I've gone back to as well. There's been times where I've just listened to this score randomly um, because I just like the music and the instrumentation of it. Um, but the cast were great in the film. All the girls were great. Um, their dynamic as friends, it felt very grounded and realistic um, how their friendships were portrayed in the film and the things they would say. It's very um, of this generation and this generation of like young teenagers. It's, it felt very accurate to that and how they are in this Twitter generation and how people, you know, activism and this, all, all of that. Um, but it was a great film. It was a fun time. I don't know if it's on any uh, streaming platforms, but if you can find it or if you end up just renting it or something like that, I, I would recommend it. It's a fun time. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is another film that I'm anticipating for this year. Um, I don't really have much to say about it. It's Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. The first one was great. The animation was incredible. This is stuff that anyone that's seen the film already knows. And the new one's coming out and it's been a long wait and it's been delayed a few times. And there's a whole lot more Spider-Man in this film and Spider-Women. And it just looks really cool. And it's coming out in the summer. I'm looking forward to it. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Nope. Nope came out last year. Jordan Peele's third film. Definitely one of my favourites of last year. I saw it three times in the cinema. That's my most watched film in the cinema of last year. Um, tied with Avatar, actually. But um, I saw it for the first time in IMAX. The BFI IMAX in London, which is the biggest uh, IMAX screen in Europe. And... What there's a lot of things I love about the film. I love how in depth it is, how thought provoking it is, the message of spectacle and how humans consume spectacle, even when it's negative spectacle or just drawn to it. I thought that theme was very profound within that film and how it was presented through this kind of old school kind of monster movie. I thought was quite quite cool, and that aspect of it as well. Actually, um, I'm gonna try and keep it spoiler free. Actually. There's a reveal. I'm gonna I'm gonna be spoiler free, but there's a reveal in Nope. The, so it's set the setup. The setup of the film is that essentially there's this seemingly there's a UFO that's kind of stalking this town, and uh, that's what the film's based around. But there's a reveal halfway through the film about that UFO, which I thought was genius, and it was almost at that exact moment where I realized I was truly loving this film, because then it felt like a throwback to something like Jaws and those type of classic films that I grew up on that I loved. Um, and to see Jordan Peele operate at the peak of his powers on a bigger scale, much grander scale than he's ever done before, really impressed me because I didn't think the film was going to be as large scale as it was. It was very con it was interesting because it's a very contained film. It's kind of all within one location for the most part, aside from a couple scenes. But it was still very grand in scale and that film in IMAX was a very impressive experience. And uh, yeah, I did enjoy that a lot. I enjoyed the performances. I thought Kiki Palmer was just infectiously funny and entertaining. 
and Daniel Kaluuya I thought was great and I've seen a lot of people criticize his performance in that film because he's very quiet and it annoys me when people do that because if anything of course people can have their opinion you can say it's a bad performance but when you attribute it to just an actor being quiet and saying that's bad it more so tells me that you're not very good at reading human emotion because he's doing a lot of acting in that film but he's just not speaking a lot but if you can read his mannerisms and his facial ex expressions and if you're good at doing that with people in general and gauging emotions you know without having the words there you can, you'll be able to see that he's doing a lot with that performance but yeah i did enjoy that film a lot and for me jordan peele's gone three for three i don't know if it's my favorite jordan peele film but it's definitely in contention i definitely like it more than us it's between nope and get out but i think i think nope i might rank nope higher than get out in terms of my favorite film i think overall get out is the better film but in terms of what i prefer i think nope might have overtaken get out in that regard Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, that's coming out in the summer. Uh, I feel like this film's been a long time coming. I've been, we've been hearing about Indy 5 for probably the last 10 years, to be honest. Because it wasn't that long until after Kingdom of the Crystal, Crystal Skull came out that they started talking about one last indie performance from Robert. Um, Robert? Who am I talking about? Harrison Ford. Um, and it's finally happened. It's directed by James Mangold, who did... Uh, that Ford versus Ferrari film and Logan, which is arguably my favorite superhero film ever made. Yeah, Indiana Jones is one of those franchises that I grew up on and that I did love, but it's not one of those franchises that I openly express my love for, if that makes sense. Like when I talk about films or films that I really love and films from my childhood and things like that, I never tend to end up talking about Indiana Jones, but it is one of those ones where growing up, watching it on TV, uh, Temple of Doom was always my favorite one just because of like the creepy voodoo kind of sacrificial stuff towards the end and the heart and they're definitely film and I did watch them I bought them in 4k last year and watched them again um, for the first time in a long long time and they are as great as I remember um, especially that first film and I didn't watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull again actually but um, I don't remember hating that film as much as a lot of other people did but i think it's because i didn't have that type of investment that a lot of other people did in the franchise but this one having watched the trailer that they released not too long ago this one actually does look pretty good like it looks like it's a safe bet for being a good film and not a disastrous film and i definitely did feel a bit of nostalgia just seeing harrison ford in that role in a film that actually looks pretty good um so yeah, that's a film I'm definitely looking forward to seeing, especially on the cinema, because I never saw Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in the cinema, so I haven't seen an indie film in the cinema before, so this will be my first one, and I think uh, that could be an exciting film to watch. A very underrated film that came out last year that not many people watched at all, not too many people spoke about, a lot of people just unfairly written off, in my opinion, was Intergalactic. This was an animated romantic comedy that was from the mind of Kid Cudi, um... And it came out on Netflix in October and he, he released it uh, alongside his new album, which was called Inter Intergalactic. And it was kind of just dumped on Netflix with not a lot of promotion or critic coverage. And that's what I was really disappointed about with that film, because I, I feel like sometimes critics pick and choose, you know, what to shine a spotlight on. Because I don't know what it is now, but upon release, when you looked at Rotten Tomatoes, there was probably like 
10 to 15 reviews on the film. And it's like, if any other film comes out, you know, there could be upwards of 100 reviews on a majority of, like, releases. But then as soon as this animated film comes out from a black, you know, creator, creative mind, it's like they just completely disregard it. And I don't know if it was because, partially because it was a black animated comedy that wasn't spider-man or something like that you know because of course of course into the spider-verse is about miles but that's driven by the ip of spider-man so people pay attention to it whereas this was an animated comedy with black character mainly black characters from a black creator black voice actors and it's like a lot of critics just ignored it and act, acted like it's not you know worthy of their time and i did i didn't appreciate that at all because I didn't appreciate that in general anyway, but then watching the film, it actually was a really great film, like one of the best animated films I think I've seen. Um, you know, especially when you like look outside the lexicon of Pixar and Disney and things like that, and you think of like what other animated films have come out, especially recently, it was one of the best. I thought we had a very great kind of heartwarming uh, rom romantic story. And I thought the voice acting was great. The animation itself was great. It had a very Spider-Verse-esque, visual style to it that still felt different from spider-verse but it was very similar in a similar way like it's the easiest way to describe it basically is to say it's like spider-verse but it did have its own kind of unique aspects to the animation but i thought it was beautiful and i thought the story was great and then the music was brilliant because the the album that he released actually served as the soundtrack to the film and i thought it all paired up very well so as a creative project i think intergalactic and that album and the film and the album kind of combined to create a very good uh, artistic expression of romance and love that felt very contemporary to how things are nowadays with dating and things like that and the things that people go through, the experiences they go through and how they feel. Um, so that is a film I definitely want to give props to and highlight because I know it's a film a lot of people just missed completely because it didn't get a lot of coverage and love. But that's Intergalactic and it's on Netflix. Um, so you can watch that anytime on Netflix. Highly recommend that one. Now, there's not actually that many films coming out this year that I look at. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Like there wasn't I actually had to kind of like really go through the release schedule and kind of look at it in detail to actually make up this list of 10 because I could have easily stopped short at like eight. Um, but then I was looking at other films like more kind of obscure films on on the list of release schedule list and thinking you know what can i fill out this list with what films am i kind of you know am i looking at and being like oh yeah i think i am looking forward to that one and one that is going to make this list is called 65 and what this film is they released a trailer for it out of the blue not too long ago and it stars adam driver and it's a sci-fi film about him being on a prehistoric earth so it's adam driver with a gun against dinosaurs and that kind of sold me <laughs> if i'm being honest that sold me we don't get too many di you know aside from jurassic park we don't really get any dinosaur films nowadays which is a great shame because i think you could do a lot with dinosaurs and films and dinosaurs are always cool so that sold me in itself sci-fi action film adam driver dinosaurs yeah, I'll give it a chance. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it because I've, I've always loved dinosaurs since I was a kid and I just don't think we get enough stuff with dinosaurs. And Jurassic Park, or the Jurassic World franchise has kind of fizzle, fizzled out in with the most recent installments not being that great. Um, 
but you know i kind of tolerated them just for the simple fact that it's the only type of dinosaur content that we're getting but you know to get an action film that and this film actually reminded me very much of after earth now that's a film i don't like at all but the concept of it seems like after earth but reverse so whereas within after earth will smith and jaden smith or jaden smith's character gets to earth after like this kind of evolution where the animals have adapted and and have got stronger and better and more you know whatever um after the humans have not been on earth this film is the reverse where he's gone i don't know if he's gone back in time i don't even know how the concept comes to fruition i can't remember the trailer but he somehow ended up on a prehistoric version of earth before humans ever got there with the dinosaurs so conceptually very similar to after earth but like in reverse but um yeah the actor adam driver is fantastic and then having him against dinosaurs i'm gonna be interested to see it, to see it I'm not gonna have high expectations for it but just hoping to be entertained and i think it could do that so i'm putting 65 on the list another honorable mention i put on there before i get to my last pick one honorable mention i do have is transformers i think it's called rise of the beasts now i'm a big fan of transformers the cartoon and the property and i am a fan of that original michael bay film and when i was younger i was a fan of the the trilogy and in fact the trilogy i can still tolerate the trilogy i think is still entertaining enough as a whole i can still watch those films revenge of the fallen's not that great but i can still watch it and enjoy it i have like a nostalgic connection from my teenage years to that film and to those three films in general dark of the moon i actually think is a genuinely good film the fourth film i think is terrible and then the fifth film is even worse what was that the last night that was terrible and then bumblebee was all right but bumblebee felt distinctly different but it also felt very derivative of like et and stuff like that so this film, I don't know if it's set in the same... I don't know what they're doing with it anymore. I don't know if it's set in the same like universe as Bumblebee. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But it's the director of Creed 2, Stephen Capel Jr. He's stepping up for this, which I'm very intrigued to see. Um, especially to have a black director directing a Transformers movie. And I like the main lead. I forgot his name. But I, I like the main lead. I think he was in... I think he was someone who was in Hamilton. If, if, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I like the lead. And then, of course, Beast Wars. Like, it's, it's a Transformers live-action movie about Beast Wars, which was one of those 90s cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons that I do remember vividly. So to see, like, the Gorilla Transformer and, like, I don't know, what was it? The Pterodactyl Transformer and the Tiger Transformer or the Cheetah, whatever it was, that's going to be pretty cool. And that's hopefully going to make the film a bit different. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, because it's not michael bay directing it's not going to feel as redundant as four and five and it'll be closer to the excitement of what bumblebee was able to conjure up um so yeah I'm, i've got my eye on that film it's not one i'm like excited for or that i'm like actively looking forward to but i've definitely got my eye on it and i'm kind of intrigued so that's going to be my one honorable mention before i go back and complete the list of favorite films i will just talk about the final anticipated film i have to talk about which is the exorcist now, I forgot this was coming out, and I think a lot of people are kind of still unaware that it's coming out, but David Gordon Green, who recently just completed the Halloween trilogy of, like, remakes slash reboots, retellings, whatever you want to call it, or actually sequels, they're actually sequels, aren't they? Um, yeah, he just recently did that Halloween trilogy of sequels. He's now immediately moved on to doing a reboot of The Exorcist. Um, or, in fact, it could be a sequel. I can't remember if this is supposed to be a sequel to The Exorcist. 
I think he's doing two... No, in fact, I think he did say he's doing a trilogy of Exorcist films. Which, I remember when I heard that, I'm like, why? And what are you doing? Like, The Exorcist is one of those films, I feel like. There's very few films like it where you look at it as a piece of art and how it impacted cinema and everything it did for cinema and just the film as a whole. And you're like, there is no reason to remake it. And then there's no reason, especially after the sequels that they did do, to try and make another sequel. Like, what could you really do? And this goes back to what I've said. This is like a an unexpected reoccurring topic of this episode. But possession movies. It goes back to what I said earlier about possession movies. There was a period 10 years ago where that's all we got in horror, for the most part, especially in mainstream horror. It's played out, and not a lot of creative stuff was done with it. And if you're going to make a possession movie in 2023, you're going to have to do something very inventive to make it work and then if you're going to make a possession movie with the name the exorcist attached to it you're going to have to do something tremendously great to even because that's going to have a lot of scrutiny fall upon that film it's automatic there's going to be an automatic level of scrutiny that's going to fall upon this exorcist film simply because it's a another exorcist film so it's going to have to be something fantastic to to stick the landing because Halloween, as prestigious as Halloween is as a franchise um, and for what it's done for horror, there was enough bad entries in that franchise to the point where making a new one in 2018 like he did and then following it up, it didn't have to be exceptional to be accepted, if that makes sense. Whereas some people do like The Exorcist 3, but ignoring that, the other Exorcist films that came out weren't good. And the first one is heralded as, you know, an iconic and, you know, legendary piece of film history you almost gotta like make a good case for why an audience should even want to watch a sequel to that and why why what inspired you to make a sequel to that and what story are you trying to tell here i'm really intrigued by all of that like what story is he trying to tell across this new trilogy of exorcist films you know what story have you created that's going to be compelling enough to warrant three new exorcist films because i think i'm right in saying that i'm gonna have to check it after this episode now but i'm pretty sure i'm right in here when i when they announced it he was talking about a trilogy of exorcist films and even if he's not talking about a trilogy and it's just the one once again what story have you got there to make that worthwhile so i'm very intrigued by it but being a horror the horror fan that i am i am anticipating it and that's the exorcist now, going back to complete my list of favourite films, there's one film left. In fact, I'll give an honourable mention for this list as well. Favourites of last year. One film that didn't make the list that I did enjoy a lot was The Woman King. I thought that was a very great film that had a lot more depth um, to it than I thought it would. And then the action scenes were great and the performances were great. But the final film on my list of favourites from last year is a film that was a pleasant surprise, to be honest, because I don't think anyone was expecting a whole lot from it when it was announced and then the fact that it was dumped on streaming services and not given a theatrical release i think made people think less of it and lower their expectations but it was definitely a film i thoroughly enjoyed watching and that was prey now i grew up watching alien and predator and things like that the individual films as well as alien vs predator but when prey came out i watched that with just an open mind and i actually really enjoyed that film a lot in fact i enjoyed it so much that i watched it twice in one day so I watched it twice in one day. So yeah, that on release day, I watched it once. 
and um, there was someone in my house was watching it later on that night, and I went down and watched it again, and I thought that was such a well-paced film that had just enough character work to kind of set the stage for what it was setting up, and then once it got to the action, I thought it really delivered on the action with the Predator in this kind of uh, older setting, more indigenous setting, and I think that worked really well, and now I think if they want to progress this franchise forward, they should just do almost like an anthology style thing where they just show the Predator in different periods of history fighting, you know, whoever was the kind of top of the human chain around that time. So, you know, they could do Predator in Japan. That would be real cool, you know, something like that. But um, Prey, film that I enjoyed a lot. I enjoyed the violence in that film as well, how brutal it was. But that was a very good film. But that is my list. So just to go through the list, um, just to recap. For my most anticipated films, and once again, this is all in no order, but my most anticipated films of 2023, Dune Part 2, Evil Dead Rise, You is Afraid, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Creed 3, John Wick Chapter 4, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, 65, and The Exorcist. And for my list of favourite films of last year, once again in no particular order, The Batman, Avatar The Way of Water, Top Gun Maverick, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Barbarian, X, Bodies, 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 Nope, Intergalactic, and Prey. So those are my selections for most anticipated films of this year and my favourite films of last year. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast, whether you listen to select parts of it or the whole thing, it's all appreciated in equal measure. Don't forget to hit the follow button and the notification button so that you don't miss any future episodes of this podcast. I have a lot planned for the just the next few weeks alone. I have a lot of episodes planned. Um, there's a lot of reviews coming up. So I also want to do a video like this for video games. So talking about my favorite video games of last year and most anticipated this year. I've got a review for the Callisto Protocol coming up. I've also got a review for the original Dead Space and then the Dead Space remake is coming out and I want to talk about that. And then on the film side of things, there's a few films I want to review that are coming out as well as the Last of Us TV show. So there's a whole lot of things I want to review and I still got to review God of War Ragnarok as well. So make sure you hit the follow button and the notification button so you don't miss out. But once again, thank you for listening and I'll catch you guys soon.